Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you, and it's great to have you with us for another visit to the pastor's study. Euphoria is a word that means basically feeling good. If you're euphoric, you're up, you're happy with what's around you, and you're happy with yourself. Dysphoria means the opposite. With dysphoria, well, you just don't feel right. You have a sense of anxiety, of of discontent, or discomfort physically, psychologically, or emotionally. And that's, that's dysphoria. We hardly ever heard of dysphoria until quite recently, and now almost every day we hear or read about something called gender dysphoria. People, and people in all age categories, including very young children, who say they they just don't feel right about their being male or female. They're male or female biologically, but they claim they don't feel like a male or a female, and for whatever reasons they're distressed, or at least they're uncomfortable, with the sexual category of their conception and birth. And then, if those with gender dysphoria come, again for whatever reasons, to affirm their gender identity as different from the sex the person had or was identified as having at birth, that person is then regarded as transgender. Then, this gender dysphoria and one's self-designation as transgender or lesbian or gay or bisexual or or queer, rather new use of the word, and now referring to those who, well, they reject the traditional gender identities of male and female, but who also want more alternatives to the designations lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Well, these, these all play out on our social arena in various ways, especially in a culture that emphasizes individual rights, as our culture does, didn't Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy affirm in the 1992 decision Planned Parenthood versus Casey, quote, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and the mystery of human life. So, if the heart of my liberty is the right to define the mystery of my human life, And if so much of my human life is tied to my sexuality, well, then surely I must have the right to define my own sexuality. And virtually every day, we're seeing how this way of thinking affects every realm of our society. And for those of us who are older, uh, these things read like the oddities of Lewis Carroll's book, Alice in Wonderland, schools and states receiving strong opposition to proposed laws and regulations requiring transgender individuals to use the restroom showers and locker rooms that correspond to their biological sex. Pressure on insurance companies to provide medically necessary sex change surgery. Legislation making it easier for people to change their legal gender. States and nations offering third gender options like X for state identification cards, mandating gender-neutral language that, among other things, forbids using ladies and gentlemen 
in public announcements, and requiring the phrase pregnant people so as not to exclude men. Now, what's particularly scary about this, um, giving a sense of dysphoria, if you will, is that children and young adults, elementary and high school students, as well as college students, have become a mission field for those obsessed with issues that come under the umbrella of gender dysphoria. Planned Parenthood has released guidance recommending that parents teach their preschoolers, that's their preschoolers, that, quote, your genitals don't make you a boy or a girl, end quote. Parents are urged by Planned Parenthood to, quote, affirm their preschoolers' personal gender identity. At least one charter school has guided kindergarten kindergartners and their kindergarten class through an in-class gender transition project. No notice was given to parents. A proposed policy to notify parents was rejected, as was permission for parents to opt out for their child or their children. Youth of all ages are encouraged to be gender rights campaigners, promoting these issues and opposing those who stand for so-called traditional views of sexuality. And then add to this that there's a strong push to forbid and penalize counseling practices which affirm that those with gender dysphoria and its related effects can, in fact, change those feelings and learn to live in accord with their biological gender. Now, once again, I need to say that for those of us who are older, these developments in our society, uh, well, they read like the oddities of Alice in Wonderland. Nevertheless, this is part of our world today. So I am very thankful for individuals and organizations that stern firmly for biblical standards regarding gender and sexuality, but that stand also firmly for bringing the gospel to those who have been brought into bondage by violating those standards, again, for whatever reasons. My favorite organization that's both faithful to the Bible and compassionately gospel-centered in ministering to a culture filled with sexual and gender brokenness is Harvest USA. On their website, and it's easy to find, www.harvestusa.org, you'll find an amazing array of resources, videos and articles on things like gospel sexuality, raising sexually faithful kids, what should I communicate to my daughter about sexuality, can you change if you're gay, how do I live with my story of childhood sexual abuse, now there you can also access their online magazine with themes and articles on topics like women, sexuality in the church, just what is godly sex, transgenderism, the shaping of reality, and living faithfully with our bodies. You can check that out for yourself. Again, it's www.harvestusa.org. Well, the president of Harvest USA is Tim Geiger, and he's my guest again today on this visit to the pastor's study. Now, for this program, he is going to tell us a little more about Harvest USA, but he's going to be focusing on what that fine organization is doing to reach out to students countering the message of gender dysphoria with the message of gender euphoria through faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And parents and young people in particular 
You need to hear what's coming in the minutes ahead. Now remember that this program invites you and it encourages you to visit the pastor's study by way of your phone calls or your text. Now to be on air as part of the program, just call 631-955-5400. Jot down the number to be live on the program, 631-955-5400. Or if you're more comfortable with it, you can text your questions and you can do that anytime during the week. But particularly for this program, you can text your questions to this number, 516-367-0391. Again, that's 516-367-0391. Put that under Pastor Bill. We love to get your text questions. Well, for now, Tim Geiger, president of Harvest USA, welcome again to a visit to the pastor's study. Thank you so much, Bill. It's a delight to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you back, Tim. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about Harvest USA. Sure. Harvest USA is a ministry that has been around for 35 years. Uh, we were started uh, in 1983 by Tenth Presbyterian Church, uh, originally as an outreach to unchurched gay men uh, who would use the, the low wall outside of the church, which is a, an inner-city church, as a pickup spot for male prostitutes. And um, the ministry quickly expanded from only ministering to unchurched gay men to, to ministering uh, almost exclusively to Christians, dealing with all kinds of uh, sexual sin and, and sexual struggle issues. Uh, today, uh, we minister to uh, a majority of the people we minister to, should say, are men struggling with heterosexual uh, sin issues, uh, and about 25% of the people we minister to are men and women struggling with same-sex attraction. But you said this is primarily professed Christians that you're dealing with. That's right. Yeah, well, yeah, it's interesting that the, the fact that, that the viruses of our of our culture, the viruses of sin, affect believers as well. Now, Tim, I noticed your headquarters are in the Philadelphia area, but, but you now have a branch in the Pittsburgh area too, correct? That's right. We uh, we opened uh, a branch office for Harvest USA in uh, the suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, back in 2007. Okay. And uh, it's a, a delight to see that after 11 years, that office is uh, still up and running and ministering to people and providing resources for folks in western Pennsylvania and eastern Ohio. And you have quite a staff, as I see on your website. Now, are your staff members available to go to other places, or do they, they do all of this on the phone or by emails or what? So we have, we have two parts to our ministry. We have uh, what we call direct ministry which is where we work with people affected by different kinds of sexual and gender-related uh, sin. And all of that is done in our offices. Okay. Uh, we, we do that either through people coming into our office, or if, if someone lives in some remote location, we'll work with them over the phone or yeah. by Skype. But we do travel out to do equipping work in churches all over the world yeah. uh, to help them learn how to understand sex, sexuality, and gender from a biblical perspective. Yeah, that's something, Tim, I want to develop a little bit later in the program because this is a church-based program and we want to be of help to the churches. But all right, let's, let's talk about your student outreach. That, that's really sure. the primary purpose of the program here today. Yeah, our, our student outreach is uh, a part of the ministry which we started in 2014, and it was something that I and others in the organization had a passion to, to start for a long time. 
And, and the reason for that was, even though Harvest USA, USA rather, has been around for a long time, a lot of the ministry that we've done historically has, has been reactionary. We've ministered to people after their lives and, and their families have been, uh, have been harmed, have been broken by the impact of sexual and gender-related sin. And so the student outreach was one of the first aspects of us trying to get ahead of the, of the wave, yeah. of us trying to equip uh, the Church in order to, to help young people in the Church develop uh, a biblical worldview of sex, sexuality, and gender. So the ordinary temptations, the ordinary struggles that they would face wouldn't develop into life-dominating yeah. sin struggles. Yeah, so this is preventive medicine rather than corrective medicine is what you're saying. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. The student outreach uh, has two primary constituencies. One is parents. Uh, so we, we create resources uh, for parents to help them learn how to have an ongoing uh, redemptive dialogue with their children not just about the mechanics of sex and gender, but about why it's good that God has given us these things and why it's good to, to steward them well. But the other constituency is pastors and youth leaders uh, in churches to help them learn how to shepherd the young people in their churches uh, well when it comes to these issues. Yeah, so it's not like you're going on college campuses or actual schools. You're, you're working with the parents and you're working with the churches. We, we are, because we, we feel strongly that if true heart change and, and the development of truly biblical worldviews is going to take place, that has to take place within the context of discipleship. Okay. And discipleship happens within the, the context of people who love and care for young people, actually having these conversations with them, talking about difficult things, answering hard questions, praying together. Yeah, so, so are these resources, Tim, beyond the videos and articles that I see mentioned on your website? I mentioned gospel sexuality, raising sexually faithful kids. Um, you have things other than this is what you're saying. We, we do. We have uh, a seminar, which we do both live and person, and uh, which we do several times a year over webinar called Raising Sexually Faithful Kids. That's, that's meant primarily for parents. Uh, we have a resource that's just coming out in a couple of weeks uh, called Alive, and that's a discipleship curriculum meant for teens and young adults. Uh, it's meant to be used in a discipleship relationship to help them work through what a biblical worldview of these issues looks like. Uh, and then we have uh, a book that's coming out in about two months, uh, for parents called Explaining LGBTQ Identity to Your Child. Uh, and that's, again, designed as a, as a resource to help parents uh, have difficult conversations with their kids about things that their kids experience, as you mentioned in your, in your intro, uh, in the culture or in school, but also questions uh, that kids have about LGBTQ identity that come up in their own hearts and minds. Or let, let, let's focus in on that one, one Tim. I don't know sure. if I can distill that rather quickly, but let's say I'm a parent and I come to you and I say, hey, Tim, my, uh, my middle school child has, has been asking questions about LGBTQ. Give me some advice about how to, how to deal with, with his or her questions. What would you say? Yeah, the, the first thing that I would encourage a parent to do is to uh, 
to encourage that child to realize that as creatures we don't have the right we, we don't have the the ability to uh, to, to identify ourselves the way that we want you know so I, I cannot uh, as a as someone who is born male I can't decide at some point that I'm no longer male uh, God has made me male uh, we understand from scripture that biological uh, identity is the same as uh, psychological uh, gender identity. And so what we do is we, we try to help those kids understand that when someone wants to be something other than what God created them to be, that they're trying to satisfy underlying idols, underlying desires in their heart. And those desires are often for things like affirmation and affection and comfort and control. Uh, often children role-play, don't they? Sure. Uh, a lot of times, especially very young children, will pretend to be something other than what they are. Uh, a boy might pretend to be a girl. A girl might pretend to be, uh, you know, a typically male uh, role. Yeah, we used to call uh, it a tomboy. Yeah, a tomboy. Yeah, sure. So, so a lot of times when kids are experimenting with those gender roles, they're, they're trying to find their niche. They're trying to find where they fit. In, in terms of society and their social groups, uh, but, but they're trying as, as sinners to, to try to find the place where they find maximum comfort and, and maximum uh, control over their environment. And a lot of times, you know, especially now, as you again mentioned in your intro, as kids are being given permission by adults to determine their own gender identities, uh, these kids might feel more comfortable uh, in another role. They might feel more comfortable being something other than what God has created them to be. And I think it's especially helpful for parents to realize that when a child says, I'm, I'm transgender, that that child is not making a, de- a definitive statement about his or her gender. What they're saying is, this is the best way I've found in, in my young, sinful, uh, and, and certainly uh, incomplete uh, mind and heart to, to find comfort, to find control, to find identity, to find peace. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, go over that one more time. I think it's very, very important. Those four things that you just mentioned. When when they're when when people affirm I'm transgender, even though biologically they're male or female. Again, what are those four things that that are kind of heart issues? Sure, and and actually the the list isn't limited to those four, okay. but. But comfort and control and affirmation and identity and, and peace are, are just examples of some of the, the desires that a young person might be seeking to satisfy through taking on a different role. How, how, and, how would they be seeking comfort, though? And we use the, the language dysphoria. Sure. Aren't they going to be uncomfortable if, if they're affirming a, a, a gender, we'll say that their reproductive organs don't represent, is that really going to give them comfort? Well, I don't, I don't really think children are aware of, of the ramifications of their okay. decision. What children are looking for is where they feel safe. Okay. Uh, we, we instinctually run to a place of safety, a place of refuge, uh, when we feel in danger. And a lot of children, Bill, feel in danger because they they simply don't feel as though they fit into the right social group. So I mean, kids kids are sinners. Yeah. Uh, we you know they, they exploit differences in other people, they they tease others, and 
you know, especially for a young man or, or a, a young woman who has an especially tender heart, to, to be told, you don't fit in with us. You know, okay. if they're being told that by a, a group of male uh, peers or a group of female peers, uh, you know, it, it, it's a long road to get there. Wow. But uh, a young person can definitely find comfort in in taking on a different identity. And, and, and am I right? I mean... It, it seems that a lot of this too is is peer pressure wed to the faddishness of this, or, or, or is that kind of a simplistic way to look at it? I, I definitely think all of the chatter uh, in the in the blogosphere and in the culture today about gender is is something of a fad. But I I don't think it's a fad that's going away, Bill. Mm-hmm. I actually think that as we as a culture, move more and more away from God's standards. That, you know, just as Paul tells us in the New Testament, we, we delight in hearing things that tickle our ears. We, we delight in, in learning new things and accepting new philosophies that have the appearance of wisdom but are really foolishness. And so I don't think this is going anywhere, if anything. I, I think we're looking at... Uh, uh, really uh, a period of cultural redefinition when you know people will look back uh, at, at the 2010s and say you know that was an important time for civil rights uh, in our culture when when transgender folks could really stand up and be who they really are really interesting my guest today is, is Tim Geiger the president of Harvest USA uh, outstanding Christian ministry dealing with uh, sexual brokenness of all of all types, and today we're specifically addressing questions of how they work with with young people. We're gonna in a moment. I want us to step back because we, we just touched the the hem of the garment, and we're going to look at some of the sort of bigger cultural issues in a moment. If you'd like to call with your questions for Tim Geiger, the number is six three one nine five 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 four zero zero six three one nine five five. Five four zero zero. If you want to text your question, you're more comfortable with that. We don't give out names uh, on the radio. You five one six three six seven zero three nine one. We guarantee we'll we'll keep your anonymity. But if you like to text a question, five one six three six seven zero three nine one. We'll be back after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, check out the website 
at ReformationMetroNY.org, where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you with my guest, Tim Geiger, President of Harvest USA. Call in with your questions, 631-955-5400, or text them, 516-367-0391. Put that under Pastor Bill. Our friend Tyler from Mastic Beach is on the phone. Tyler, what's on your mind this week? Good. Uh, I've got a quick question. Um, I don't know if you gentlemen are familiar with... um, uh, Scott Oliphant, he wrote in his forward to Cornelius Van Til's book, um, Christian, uh, I forget what it was called, uh, oh, Common Greece and the Gospel. He mentions one thing that's critical to Christian, uh, defense of truth is God in his triune, uh, nature, who he is, being independent, and for him to be able to define terms as they are. Do you think that's a helpful way to, um, lovingly, um, or, like pursue the education of people in the church, like yeah. teach them who God truly is, like theology proper, like yeah. who he is in his nature, for God to be able to define his creation rather greater. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. Good question. Tim, there's a there's one you probably don't get every day. <laughs> no, but I, I applaud Tyler and um, yeah. Scott. I, I do really appreciate Scott's ministry. Scott uh, was one of my professors when I was at Westminster Seminary years and years and years ago. But I, I do think that Tyler's question is the, the starting point for any conversation with anyone about, uh, about a doctrine of man or a doctrine of God. You know, the, the Lord tells us through Isaiah in Isaiah 29, uh, 16, uh, that we, we turn things upside down. Uh, he says, Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, that the thing made should say of its maker, he did not, he did not make me? Or the thing formed to say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. And when I when I think about the entire question of a, a creature's right to to wrest control uh, of of creation from God and to remake that creation in His own image, uh, I, I think it's it's nothing short of utter rebellion. God God is the creator. God is the only one who has the right to tell creatures who they are and and how they ought to live and and certainly that that has to be the foundation of everything that we teach our children in in our homes and in the church yeah you know tim i I, I've, I've frequently gone back to the fact that uh, there's these creation ordinances that that god implanted into the world as it is and they're for people as people things like marriage um, sure. sexuality labor or a, a day of rest a sabbath uh, truth. Uh, it seems, though, that it, the, I mean the basic thing: God made man, male and female. Am I right that this is probably the most basic, fundamental form of rebellion against God? It it is because again, we we are trying to take. I, I think what it boils down to, Bill, is this: we're, we're trying to take the image of God that's in us, and we're trying to to scratch it out. And, and replace it with something that bears our own image, something that bears our own 
mastery, our own creativity. And what, what more basic way to say that than the, the very individual that you made me to be, God, no longer exists. I, I have recreated myself as, as someone over which I have authority, I have dominion. Yeah, I mean, the old line is the power to define is the power to control. And, and I mean, again, it seems that this is you're trying to, to define yourself. I mean, fascinating, very, very probing and, and thoughtful question from Tyler. T- Tim, before our, our break in the middle of the program, um, in, in California, there's legislation pending. I don't know if they've actually passed this or not. I, I haven't read, but... I don't believe they have yet. I don't think so either. I think we'd hear about it, but... but at least at this point, um, that that legislation would make it a crime to counsel that a person can change his or her gender. And, and I was deeply disturbed uh, some weeks ago that a leading Christian college in that state canceled a conference in, in which a well-known individual who, who's himself a man converted out of a homosexual lifestyle would be speaking. I'm wondering how you respond to that as an organization that that, that that your whole task is to see people changed by the gospel. How did you respond to that? You know, I, th- I think it's grievous, Bill, uh, whenever the the government, you know, any any branch, any any entity within the government would step in and uh, try to guide and, and control the conscience of, of people. Um, because, again, as, as God's creatures, only He can bind our conscience. Uh, so, the, uh, you know, any, any government-based group that would be in favor of uh, telling people that they cannot change uh, their gender, um, you know, I, I would certainly be in favor of that. The, the the trend that we see in our culture is is obviously for government to say, you are, it's all read a response. You can do whatever you want with your body. Your, your identity is completely uh, your purview to decide. Uh, I, I think that enforcing a law that says that it is illegal to counsel a person that they can can change his or her gender uh, would be very difficult to enforce. I, you know, although I would be in favor of such a law, I don't see it standing for uh, for very long. Yeah, I, I think I want to I want to be careful with it. at least at this point that law applies to those who are paid uh, to do that counseling work, and at least at this point, there is no religious exclusion. Although that that may change. What, what, sure. or, Tim, again before the break, I mean, are you getting are you getting opposition as an organization that says no by the gospel you can change with respect to your your gender dysphoria? Are you, are you getting that kind of opposition? We do. Uh, we don't get a ton of it, uh, at least in the public sphere right now. I, I think mainly because. We, we don't we don't go out into the culture and and advertise what we're doing. We minister to people who come to us voluntarily and who are looking for for answers to the questions they have. Right. Okay. But we ha- certainly have been called hate mongers. I, I was at a convention uh, last week, as a matter of fact, for uh, uh, an evangelical denomination which has widely varying views. Uh, on sex, sexuality, and gender, and I was approached by several people who asked me why we were hurting Christians. 
uh, hurting them because we were offering them the, the alternatives to, to the cultural narrative that say that they have to follow their passions. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I, that's why I said again, you know, for those of us who are older, this really is a kind of an Alice in Wonderland kind of world. Well, my guest today is Tim Geiger. He is the president of Harvest USA. Uh, in my opinion, the finest uh, Christian organization, uh, faithful to the scriptures, dealing with all kinds of issues regarding uh, sexual brokenness and uh, sexuality in a fallen world. And we're going to, uh, Tim had mentioned resources that they have for individuals and churches. Uh, we want to get to that. But just first, let me tell you the, 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 about the, the, the group of churches that is presenting this program to you. It's part of their, their outreach here in the metropolitan New York area. And then, thankfully, through the, the services of Redeemer Broadcasting Network and other networks, uh, this program is either simulcast or replayed. So we're we're thankful to have our labors here in the, the largest metropolitan area of the United States of America before you. But anyway, the churches that work together to bring you this program are the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in East Haddam, Connecticut, where we have uh, Harvest OPC, and then the Congregation in Hamden, Connecticut, Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. We just call it the OPC to make it easier. In, in Mount Vernon, New York, just north of New York City. And then uh, in the city itself, uh, Reformation Presbyterian Church in Fresh Meadows, Queens. And right here on Long Island, Orthodox Presbyterian Congregations in Franklin Square and in Bohemia. And then Trinity Church, which is an Orthodox Presbyterian congregation in Syosset. And uh, these are not the only biblically faithful churches in our area, uh, but we want you, if you're wherever you are, to be part of a of a faithful church. And these we can commend to you in, in this area. As far as the program itself, a visit to the pastor's study, uh, we call these magazine articles for the ear. And you can get the whole list of, of podcasts that are available. All you've got to do is uh, Google and visit thepastorsstudy.org. Not quite as easy as harvestusa.org, but close. Visit thepastorsstudy.org. And there, I would especially commend to you uh, the program that Tim did with uh, world journalist uh, Jamie Dean, world magazine journalist Jamie Dean, in April of 2017 on the transgender revolution. Uh, that program has, has literally alerted thousands of people to some of the bigger issues that, that we're addressing in specifics here. I commend that to you, the transgender revolution. Visit thepastorsstudy.org, the podcast for April 2017, and then uh, The Perils of Pornography, in which Jamie Dean was my guest, June 2018 podcast. This program deals primarily with the effects of pornography on women and uh, an area that, that is, is mushrooming as far as an area of need. I'm sure the one that Tim Geiger could also help us out with as well, The Perils of Pornography, June 2018. We'd like it if you would like us. <laughs> and also follow us on Facebook at A Visit to the Pastor's Study. And I love your emails. It's a real pleasure to minister to many of you by way of email. You can contact me by the simple visit Pastor Bill, all one word, visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. I'm dealing today again with Tim Geiger, Harvest USA, uh, dealing with uh, ministry to those who are sexually broken. I call in number 631 955 
5400 or text your questions 516-367-0391. Tim, I'm glad to know about Harvest USA's student outreach. Um, and, and you do this through families and local churches, their officers, you, you, you equip them. Tell us how you do that. So we do that uh, in a couple of different ways, Bill. We, we have a number of written resources uh, that we offer the church. Uh, they're all available on our website, harvestusa.org. Um, uh, we, we also go out to churches and we do live in-person training. Uh, we had 130 of those events, as I mentioned before, in churches around the world uh, last year. And, and the purposes uh, of, of those events are, are really twofold. Uh, the first part is to give Christians information, uh, both about what Scripture says about sex, sexuality, and gender, and um, how, to, how to develop a biblical worldview in themselves and in the people they love. So we're, we're giving them Scripture, we're, we're helping them to interpret it, uh, and we're helping them to really understand how it, how it differs from the cultural narrative. Okay. The other reason, uh, I'm sorry, the other uh, focus of those live in-person events is we help people in churches learn how to come alongside folks who are struggling uh, in, in particular ways with sex, sexuality, and gender, because we believe strongly that the church has to be the place where people walk in, in true faith and in true repentance. Uh, as I look at, at Scripture like Ephesians 4, where, where Paul says that it's only within the, the context of the body where we speak the truth in love to one another that any of us grows, that any of us matures, that any of us becomes more like Christ. And, and we want the Church increasingly to be a place that's competent and confident as, as they engage in that ministry. Yeah, so what you're saying is your your goal is to help believers, help Christian believers, become the light that they're meant to be, the salt that they're meant to be, so that uh, Jesus' words, we let our light so shine before others that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. I mean, is it kind of, in a nutshell, what your approach is? Uh, that, that's a, a good way to sum it up. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, even for the Christian who... who uh, would interact with unbelievers, and, and we all interact with unbelievers every day, whether they're neighbors, family members, co-workers, uh, fellow students uh, at, at school. We, we want to be able to demonstrate, without being moralistic, without being exclusionary, we want to be able to demonstrate to the culture the, the hope that we have. We, we want to communicate how being someone who has faith in Christ gives us a hope that other people should want. Well, that's yeah, that reminds me of, of our, our friend who's been a guest on the program twice, Dr. Greg Forster, in his book Joy for the World, where he takes things like this. I think he even has a chapter on sexuality that the, I'll use the word euphoria that I used in my monologue, uh, that the joy that we have as Christians, that's meant to be shown to the world as an alternative to the misery that, that so often attends its worldview. Um, t- Tim, the um, texted question, can you help me understand the gender of someone who is biologically biologically intersex? I'm not sure what the, what the 
questioner means by that. I have an idea, but can you help me understand the gender of someone who is biologically intersex? How would you sure. deal with that one? And that, that's a that's an excellent excellent question to consider because there are uh, people who are born with a condition that's called intersex. Uh, in in previous generations, we would have called such people hermaphrodites. That's a now, is this two sets of genitalia, the, the male and female genitalia? So there, there are really three kinds of intersex individuals. One, one kind is where uh, a person is born with uh, the genitalia of both sexes. Uh, another instance of intersex uh, is where someone is born with uh, indiscriminate genitalia, where, where you can't really tell from a visual observation which gender uh, the child is. And a third type is genetic intersex. And, and that's something that you, you can't observe physically uh, at all. Uh, you, you have to do genetic testing, and there are different hormonal uh, and chromosomal imbalances uh, that would not be distinct uh, for someone of that, uh, of that physical gender, that biological gender. So what do you do if, if you uh, are the parent or if you, if you know someone who is the parent of a child who is born intersex? Well, what's been done historically is that um, someone who's born biolog biologically intersex, uh, there would be some sort of medical intervention uh, early on in that child's life. Uh, the physician would, would consult with the parents and would make a determination at some point during the first year of that child's life, uh, what gender the parents wanted to raise that child. And uh, if, if it would be possible, there would be some sort of reconstructive surgery done uh, in the very early years of that child's life so that uh, their genitalia would more closely conform to the, the gender that was assigned to that child at birth. No, you say the gender is assigned. That's saying there is there's a definite genetic indicator that a person is male or female, correct? Uh, correct. I mean, we uh, we understand from Scripture because there is nothing that leads us to believe anything contrary that your biological gender is the same as your psychological gender. Okay, but what you're saying is is we, if or do we face situations, Tim, where there's uh, how can I say, where the genetic information would be like 50% male or 50% female? I, I, what you're saying sure. is, I mean, is there are there situations like that? There are. Uh, there are a number of different syndromes. Uh, if you just Google uh, intersex, you'll you'll get a list of them all. Okay. Klein-Felter's syndrome is, uh, is is one of the chief ones. Um, the the number of people who are intersex is difficult. To measure because you know no one knows because we don't all undergo genetic testing how many people would fall into that category of being uh, genetically intersex. Um, my, my guess is it's not an overwhelming population of people, uh, but it, just the, the statistics, statistics rather that I've seen online are somewhere between two and four percent of the population. Um, those folks. Ordinarily, would would just uh, cohere with whatever their biological gender is. 
okay. uh, and, and never feel or, or act any differently. Okay. Uh, but today, because of the possibility uh, of, of learning uh, these kinds of genetic and chromosomal uh, differences, uh, that information is available to people, and it is something that folks are using to make a self-determination about what gender they, they want to be. Let, let me just say, in, in terms of how to address this from a biblical perspective and, and pastorally, not, not being someone who has undergone uh, any kind of intersex experience myself, I, I don't know exactly what it feels like to learn that you, you are intersex. I, I don't know the, the struggle. I don't know the, uh, the ambiguity. I don't know the fear. I don't know the tension that exists in that person's heart. And I, I think it is so, so important for the Church to show compassion uh, to those people and not, uh, to not criticize them and not castigate them as they work through something that is, is very, very difficult uh, to understand. Yeah, there's where the word dysphoria is really a, a very appropriate term. So what you're saying, Tim, is we go back to the biological material. The biological material, in most cases, is going to point in the direction of either male or female. That's the designation of the person, and the person is raised to conform to that, fully realizing in a fallen world there's always going to be issues of, of, of um, whether it be lust or, or um, uh, same-sex attraction or whatever. I mean, is that, is that basically what you're saying? It, it is. Um, you know, and historically, that's the way it's worked out for yeah. all of human history up to this point. That if, <clears throat> again, we, we weren't even aware of genetic intersex uh, up until maybe 30 or 40 years ago, but prior to that, if a child was born with genital intersex, at least in the modern age, uh, parents made a decision uh, about which gender to, to raise that child as, and, and those children lived uh, life with that assigned gender yeah. uh, throughout, throughout their entire lives. And, and some of them probably have experienced uh, emotional and, and psychological distress as a result of that. And again, that's an area for the Church to show compassion and, and to realize we simply don't have all of the answers. Uh, yeah, it, issues. It's interesting, Tim, when I was a, a pastor in... Uh, Franklin Square, we had a, a an Asian pediatrician, very, very gifted and godly woman, and we had actually discussed some of these issues when we were teaching the church a bit about how to, probably the same kinds of things you teach, but uh, but on a more basic level. But she said exactly the same thing. She said, historically, decisions are made about um, what a person's biological gender would be, and then they, they learn to work with that situation. So that's sure. very helpful. Uh, Tim, we've got in just a couple of minutes or so the, the section we call uh, counsel from the pastor's study. Uh, you're not a prophet, uh, but as you look ahead, where do you see our society headed with all of these issues growing out of gender confusion? I think, Bill, we're headed into uh, an area that, None of us is prepared to, to enter. It, it's an it's an area uh, of human history that uh, th- there really are no no precedents for. Uh, this really is you know, a brave not, new world. It is a brave yeah, new world. Right. It's a scary new world. Right. So we're not 
when, when you think about transgender, we're not just thinking, too, about people transitioning from male to female or female to male. We're, we're talking about non-binary transgender individuals who are neither male nor female. Uh, and they're within the, the spectrum of uh, male to female gender, people can exist at any point along that spectrum and can change the, the point at which they rest on that spectrum as they go through life. So I think that we're looking at an age moving forward uh, when family relationships are going to be radically redefined, when the, the way in which we refer to one another is going to be radically redefined. We, we see that especially on some uh, academic, in some academic settings right now where there's a push to, uh, to move away from traditional pronouns like his and her, he and she, uh, and to re- use gender-neutral language. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the church faces special challenges, uh, e- even in terms of how we, how we understand creation, how we understand God, how we understand one another in the body. Uh, and it, it's going to be an area uh, of, of human history in which the Church is going to be sorely tested uh, to remain true to Scripture. Wow. What a, what a note in which to end it for you before this counsel from the visit to the pastor's study. Tim, that's why I'm so thankful to have Harvest USA and you and your staff people there. Real quickly, before we break from your part of the program, give us the contact information for Harvest USA. Yes, our website is harvestusa.org. Real easy. And, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I said real easy. Real easy. <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, if anyone wants to contact us by phone, our phone number and uh, email information is on that site as well. Oh, great. Thanks. Hey, Tim, thanks so much for being our guest today on A Visit to the Pastor's Study. We always wrap up our time with what we call counsel uh, from the pastor's study. And I'm putting this under the category that I'm calling given up, but the gospel. Read Romans 1, chapter, verse 18 to 32, the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans. That's one of the scariest portions of the New Testament. It speaks of a culture that is given up. And as you read that passage and ponder it, and I urge you to do that, that is the description of the culture that we're in today, a culture that is given up by God. That culminates in verse 32, though they knew God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And in this area of the the toleration of what used to be called sexual perversion, that is exactly what we're seeing, not only doing those things, but giving approval to those who practice them. We stop there, it's very discouraging. But notice that this passage doesn't begin there. It actually begins in chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17, Paul going to the, the city that was the bastion of paganism in his day, Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. Well, what does that mean? Well, the gospel is a gospel of righteousness. A righteousness is absolutely perfect obedience, and that's what our Lord rendered. He was obedient even unto death, and that's actually the second part of that righteousness. It's a righteousness that 
absolutely satisfied the justice of God in taking the punishment for all of the sins of the people for whom Jesus died. Uh, That full-orbed picture is a righteousness, and that is reckoned to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're called to do that. But there's also a righteousness that is imparted. We commonly call that holiness, and that is what comes by the Holy Spirit. And all of those things come to us in the good news of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose work is to build new creation. And note that that comes all by faith. Faith is a hand that grasps the gospel. It's a mouth that feeds on the gospel. It's legs that run to the gospel. And it's a mind that rests in the gospel. And and that's what you're all called to do, whether you're dealing with sexual brokenness or not. Now here here is the great encouragement. These are the blessed results. In 1 Corinthians 6 and, and verses 9 through 11, Paul says, now, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And there's a list here, including unrighteous ones who have given in to sexual deviancy. But that's not all that's there. But Paul says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed. There's a bath in the Lord Jesus Christ who cleanses you by his blood. There's a new suit of clothes in his righteousness, that sanctification that is there that's really given to you. And there's a not guilty verdict. Isn't that wonderful? When you're justified, you're declared not guilty. Now the Spirit must draw you to the Lord Jesus. Notice he says, and by the Spirit of our God, but he draws you to the Lord Jesus and to his name. And believe that when you come to Jesus, you're among those who can say, and such were some of you. Anyone can be changed because Jesus is the great physician and he's God and he can change you as he changed me. Thank you for being with us today. Our thanks to Tim Geiger, president of Harvest USA, for his ministry to us. We would appreciate your feedback or your questions. We welcome you to email me. Visit pastorbill at gmail.com. We'll get to me, and we'll be glad to pass any of your questions on to Tim Geiger. Visit pastorbill at gmail.com. Remember, tomorrow is the Lord's Day. And be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. Remember that everyone needs a pastor. Let's pray together. Our God, we ask that you would work in all now, dealing with not just the the, the things that come from sexual brokenness in a fallen world, but all the effects in a fallen world. Draw them by the Holy Spirit. Draw them to Christ, that in them they might have full and free forgiveness. Amen. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.